Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is A Tick Bite Stole My Family, Friends, and Faith, an interview with Jeanette Blackwood. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Jeanette Blackwood. Jeanette Blackwood is a 57-year-old native of Colorado living in Southern California. Twelve years ago, Jeanette discovered a large tick on her leg. She removed the tick and threw it in the garbage. Shortly after the tick bite, she suffered flu symptoms that were so debilitating that she was bedbound for several days. Jeanette was not tick aware and did not connect her symptoms to her tick bite. Over time, the flu would return with more debilitating symptoms, including vertigo, memory loss, loss of balance, and paranoia. As her neurological and mental health symptoms progressed, she began to suffer isolation. She lost family by going through a divorce, longtime friendships, and she left her church. Jeanette sought the assistance of doctors for diagnosis and treatment, but gave up on traditional medicine because her increasingly debilitating illness could not be explained by any of her doctors. Two events forced Jeanette to return to doctors for help. First, she went out shopping and could not remember how to get home. Then she took too many pills, requiring her fiancé to call the police because he feared for her safety. When the police arrived, Jeanette told the police she needed help. The failure of the Western medical community caused Jeanette to visit a naturopathic doctor who diagnosed and treated her with Lyme disease. Her naturopath designed a treatment plan that allowed Jeanette to regain her health. Today, Jeanette is remarried and has returned to church. She has recently discovered a protocol that has increased her energy to the highest level it has been since she suffered her tick bite. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome to our program. Hi. Thank you for having me. So, Jeanette, can you share with our listeners where you live? At present, I live in Southern California in the high desert. And where did you grow up? I am originally a Colorado mountain girl, so this was a big change for me. And what do you do for work? What I do for work now is really just housewife. Was there a time when you worked outside of the home? Yes, I I did a lot of industrial type jobs. I loved working in warehouses and I actually in Colorado at one point had a job at industrial ceramics company. And so that was required a lot of heavy lifting and strenuous type work that I was loading kilns and packing hot boxes and all kinds of really cool stuff. So what is your relationship status? I am happily married. We'll be celebrating 20 years December 4th. Well, congratulations. And do you have any children? Between us, we have six, and when we got married, they all moved in. He had four boys. I had two girls, so kind of like Brady Bunch. Have any of the Brady Bunch brought you any grandchildren? Yes, we have five grandchildren and recently found out that we are great-grandparents. Can you share with us what types of goals you were pursuing and what kinds of things you were pursuing before you began to show the symptoms of a tick disease? As far as goals, I don't know that I would really classify it as that. I just was a very outgoing, very involved person. I loved being in the community. I loved associating with different people in different situations and circumstances and just very on the go all the time. And what kinds of social activities did you participate in during this very active time in your life? I was, like I said, I did a lot of industrial type work that was very strenuous and very outgoing. I was in my community and in my church, always being of service in some way, shape, or form. 
When did you begin to show the symptoms of what you now to know to be your tick disease? Now, I actually look back from the diagnosis and recognize now that there were symptoms that were going on before I knew what was happening. And I would say I was bit early on, probably about 23 years ago. I first started noticing severe flu symptoms, and they would come annually every year about Thanksgiving. And it wasn't like a regular flu. I, I seriously felt like I was dying. And I would have the flu symptoms for a good week, week and a half, even sometimes two weeks. And it caused me to miss out on family time with Thanksgiving. Jeanette, you uh, indicated that you, you were bitten by a tick? Yes, I was. I don't remember the classic bullseye rash, but I definitely remember the tick. And he was fat and happy on my leg. Where were you when you discovered the tick biting you? At the time that I found him, I was in the shower and my leg was just swollen and itching. And I looked down and it's like, what the heck is that? And I just simply pinched him off. But I remember like a week or two before we were picnicking up in Big Bear, California. Okay, so you, you were living in California at the time that you were suffering the tick bite? Yes. And what did you know about ticks prior to discovering the tick biting you on your leg? I really knew nothing. I thought it was just another bug that, you know, he bit me. And like I said, I pinched him off and went about my merry little way. I didn't call a doctor or anything because I had no idea, none whatsoever. Had you ever removed the tick from your body before the tick that bit you uh, 23 years ago? Not that I remember, no. You remember ever having removed the tick from an animal or any other person? No, no, not at all. Were tick diseases something that you were aware of at the time that you had suffered your tick bite? No, I was not at all aware. Even when I was finally diagnosed, when they asked me if I had been bit by a tick, I was like, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? And then when they said they, they thought that I possibly had Lyme and that I should have the blood work done, I'm like, well, what is that? I really don't know. So you knew nothing about Lyme disease or any tick diseases, even up to the time that you were being urged to, to be tested by your medical professionals? No, I did not. You received this tick bite, you removed the tick. Did you, did you save the tick to have it tested or did you just throw it in the garbage? No, like I said, I had no idea. I thought, okay, a bug bit me. I pinched him off and threw him away and went about my happy little way. So you, you began to show the symptoms of what you now know to be your Lyme disease. And how did those symptoms begin to interfere with your capacity to be the person you were happy to be? Well, like I said, at first, it, it started with the, the flu symptoms that would come every year. And literally just, they would knock me out. I would be pretty much bedridden and do all I could just to get up, to get in the shower, to have some relief of the symptoms I was feeling. And that, that happened for a good, probably five years. And then it actually started affecting my neuro pathways to where my joints were inflamed. And my mind has been the hardest thing that I've had to deal with because I, I miss pieces. And, you know, I, I know the words. I tend to be, I feel very knowledgeable about things, but they get stuck up at the top of my pathways and I can't get the words to my mouth. Jeanette, how were your symptoms beginning to affect your relationships? How did your husband react to your symptoms? How did your children and your grandchildren react to your symptoms? 
at that time before, like I said, I actually knew what was going on. I, I started being very like frustrated and agitated and just my, like I said, I was very affected in my mind without knowing I was very suspicious. I was very paranoid. Just everything seemed like somebody was out to get me. And this gets kind of sensitive for me because I, you know, looking back, it's like if, if they would have known and would have suggested something, how much more of my life could I have had success in? But I actually was married before this husband and we were married eight years and it just fell apart because it was just crazy. I was crazy. Do you, do you believe the way that you are responding to your tick disease caused you to suffer the divorce that you had before your current marriage? I do. I think there were some other factors, but I think that had a big role in it. And I know even at the time he, he would always say, there is something wrong with you. You are a crazy woman. And I was, I, and that was not the norm for me. It really wasn't. You know, we've seen a number of different sacred relationships destroyed by tick diseases. We, for example, I guess it was our 51st podcast. We had this young woman, Michaela Batra, whose father rejected her because he didn't believe that she was sick. So it's a very common phenomenon for uh, social relationships to be destroyed by a tick disease. And it's important that I explore this with you a little bit more because I think our listeners need to hear about this so that they can protect themselves and their families from this. Were there any other social relationships that were either damaged or destroyed by the symptoms of your tick disease? Yes, I, I feel most definitely there were because like I said before, I realized what was going on. I was very outgoing and very friendly and very jovial type person and just relationships all around me just started dwindling and people were like, it seemed like to me and it might, might just be, you know, my head thoughts again because it was all disrupted in thinking that they were like intimidated by me and then it would cause me depression and then I would act out in that depression also because it's like what all of a sudden is going on that people are rejecting me. And I don't think I really realized how detrimental my relationships became because I was just, like I said, suspicious and paranoid and depressed and just everything was crazy. As your tick disease began to develop and it developed from this sort of on and off challenge for you to a chronic challenge, did your relationships continue to, to become challenging and did you find yourself becoming more and more isolated? Yes, most definitely. And later on in the time that I still didn't realize what was going on, I went into a 12-step program because even though I didn't feel I had issues with drugs and alcohol, I knew that there was definitely something wrong <laughs> and I needed some help. So I actually spent seven years in a, a program and I felt that it gave me a little bit of self-identity to just get in touch with my own self as a person to, you know, be able to maneuver myself better. But even then, I, I still had a, quite a struggle with relationships. One of the other challenges that a lot of our guests have talked about in the past is that it's also had an impact on their ability to be faithful people, that their relationship with God was challenged because of the thought patterns that were interfered by their Lyme disease. Did you find that to be a problem for you as well? Again, before I realized the, the diagnosis of it and before I really realized what was going on, where normally I was a very faithful person in my, my relationship with the Lord, 
did hinder that also. I, I felt, again, suspicious with that relationship as much as any other relationship. And even where I felt very secure in my prayer life and, you know, the reading of the word, that, that was hindered also. And we appreciate you sharing that with our listeners, Jeanette. It's really important for folks to understand the breadth of the challenges that Lyme disease creates because they're not just physical. They're also psychological, they're social, and they're spiritual. And it's a very, very painful spectrum of challenges that folks have to face. And we really thank you for sharing with us all of the information you're sharing with us. So Jeanette, as you were going through your journey and your symptoms were developing, were you seeing doctors to seek a diagnosis for your illness? Yes, I was. And this is still before I knew the actual diagnosis. And I was working at a industrial ink plant at the time with chemicals that I made the paint for Lubricate. So in seeking out a doctor at that time, I was seeing a doctor here in the high desert for three years. And he was getting very weird with me when I was telling him there was something wrong and he wasn't finding out what that was. And so he had happened to step out of the office one day and he left my chart. So I opened it up and he wrote in there hypochondriac. And I was very upset when he came back in and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sad that I have to seek help elsewhere because I am not a hypochondriac. There is something going on. And just because you refuse to see what that is. And I kind of lost faith in doctors there for a while, but I do encourage anyone that's on this journey and still looking for help, you have to be your own self-advocate and you have to have your voice be bold and strong and don't back down. So Jeanette, how did it make you feel when you saw the doctor was diagnosing you with hypochondria rather than some form of a physical illness? I was very distraught and, you know, like I said, a big part of my line is neurological. So that suspicion and paranoia and everything started working on me in that fact that, okay, well, maybe I am making this up or maybe something is going on that, you know, I'm just bringing forth in myself. And it took me, I'd say, a good two years before I actually decided to seek out another doctor. And that was because I literally started losing my mind. I thought they were going to have to put me in a straitjacket and put me in a rubber room. (laughs) What impact did the doctor's misdiagnosis of your hypochondria cause you to do in your social relationships? I withdrew even more so because I was thinking in myself with the paranoia and suffering that I was having in my mind that I didn't want to infect other people with this. And this was actually around the time that I was engaged to my now husband. And I remember many times, you know, I was like going off the rails and craziness and saying, this is not who I am. There is something wrong. (laughs) So Jeanette, you said there was a two year window between when the doctor misdiagnosed you with the hypochondria and the time that you went to see another doctor. Yes. Do you believe that your Lyme disease progressed to a chronic state because you weren't being treated properly by a doctor during that two-year window? Yes, I definitely believe that it increased in just destroying my immune system. Because by the time I finally did get to another doctor, and this is hard for me to say, but I think it should be said also, is I had taken a bunch of pills, not intending to kill myself, but intending to stop the pain. And my husband called the police on me. 
And when they came, they pretty much, you know, they're like, well, what do you want us to do? I said, I, I, this is not my intent, but I, I need some help. And I, I was able to voice that. And they're like, well, what kind of help? I said, I need a doctor. I need somebody to help me through this insanity that keeps going on. And so they pretty much went away and didn't take me to jail, thank goodness. <laughs> and within that time, my husband is like, okay, we need to find you a doctor. And at that time, that is another doctor that I found up here. And that is the one that continued to put Band-Aids, but she also didn't know what was going on. But she is the one that first recognized that, like, my hormones, which they had to do a saliva test because nothing was showing up in my blood. There was nothing that was saying there was an issue. So she actually did a saliva test and found that my hormones were off the charts. And she, I remember her commenting, like, I don't know how you're, you're surviving with this. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm crazy out of my mind. So she actually got me some help with bioidentical creams that put my hormones back on a path of, you know, that I still wasn't well, but we got it maintained. Now, Jeanette, do you believe that your hormone imbalance was triggered by your Lyme disease? Yes, because the Lyme is very infective, as many know, and many that still don't know, is it creates its own cells around itself, and it starts burrowing into places that are, are healthy and breaking down those healthy cells. So he was basically, you know, and I call it a he, but <laughs> the parasite that it is was burrowing into my hormones and just wrecking havoc. So, Jeanette, you've now had the police called on you as a consequence of the challenges that you're facing emotionally. What impact did that have on your children, on your fiancé, and your, your social circle in general? Well, pretty much it was just between my husband and I. He, he was very gracious and, you know, very patient with me at that time. So my children didn't really know, which I've told them, you know, since then, but that's that's been quite a while ago that that happened so the only effect was with him and I but like I said he's he's a very patient wonderful man were you becoming more and more socially isolated as your disease was progressing when it was getting to this chronic stage yes very much so and that's that's a hard one because like I said I've always been very outgoing and and very social and very jovial with people and I the, the suspicion and paranoia became just severe to where I didn't trust anyone, including my husband. And we really had to work through that. It was hard. So Jeanette, you were sick for almost 10 years before you got a proper Lyme disease diagnosis and your symptoms started as these flu-like symptoms. They developed into the suspicion and paranoia. What other physical symptoms did you develop over this nine year period before your diagnosis? Oh my gosh, it, it became just unreal. I was just, I was beside myself at what was happening and I started like I said noticing how it began was when I would go to my church I would walk in and it was a big vinyl tent so you know all along as I'm having these symptoms I'm making excuses along the way also to try and figure out what the heck's going on but I would walk in and I would have a severe asthma attack to where I was literally coughing up a lung because of the chemicals perfumes and what have you. And it became so severe in that process that even as I was going, I also developed vertigo that couldn't, you know, even hardly turn my head without every, everything spinning. So I believed 
working things out that because it was a vinyl tent that there was probably mold in the building that was causing me reaction. So I ended up leaving my church, truly. And that was a hard thing in itself because there again, that's a big part of my social, you know, outreach of people that I know and love. And I, I left there after 18 years of involvement and it, it subsided a little, but not much. I would have to watch like walking into a Walmart store. The lights would affect me. The smells in the, the chemical aisle with the cleaners would affect me. So again, even more isolated because I had to reserve myself from those places in case I had a reaction. And then it also got to the point as it progressed that I would be driving through town. I know my way around this town like the back of my hand and I would forget how to get home. And I would have to call my husband and it's like, I am so sorry, but I don't know where I'm at. And it just, that's in the progression that it's like, I need some help. There is something wrong, <laughs> severely wrong. While you were going through your nine-year, almost 10-year journey of being sick and these symptoms continued to develop, did you see any other specialists to address these specific symptoms you were having? Yes, I was sent to quite a few different doctors. There was one, I, I can't remember what his specialty was, but I know at that time they hooked me up with the the wires there again, and he had a little machine that would calculate the nervous response in my cells. And so it would literally like jump when it would see a response of neuroactivity that wasn't on track. And then my other doctor, which is a DO that helped with the hormone issue, she was doing a lot of work with me in different areas. And like I said, at that point with her in this journey, they, they sent me to have tests done for MS, which came back negative. They sent me for tests to have done for lupus, which came back negative. They sent me for tests to do diabetes, which came back negative. So Jeanette, I also see that you've had some food allergies related to your illness. Can you explain what that is like for us? That is a very bizarre happenstance because I am one that has always like enjoyed my pizza and my french fries and donuts. And it got to the point early on that I would eat them and later on in the day I would have a response so I wasn't connecting that there was an issue with the foods. And then it got to the point where I was actually at my daughter's house in Colorado and they had ordered in pizza and I had a piece of pizza, and right away she's like, Mom, what is going on? And I said, I don't know, what? And my eyes were, like, bulging out of my, my face. And when I went in to look at the mirror, by the time I got in there, my speech was slurred, and I couldn't talk properly. So I started connecting that I couldn't eat any kind of doughy food, any like anything with any kind of gluten would cause me a response of a drunk effect where my legs would go wonky. I couldn't walk a straight line to save my life and my speech would be slurred and my eyes would be all bulgy. And what was the time period between you eating the food and the allergic reaction occurring? Like I said, in the beginning, it would, it would be like throughout the day, but then it got to the point and I'd say within a year's time that that started that it would be instantaneous. That's when I was able to start putting pieces together that I, there were things that I couldn't eat. And like the donuts would have a different response of I would lose my voice for a week. 
So depending on the type of food, it would affect you differently, whether you were walking and you couldn't balance and walk in a straight line or you were having trouble speaking. It, different types of food affected you differently, it sounds like. Yes. And in the beginning, before the diagnosis, we could laugh about it and joke about it and say, okay, you know, I'd eat something. My husband is like, walk this straight line and touch your nose. And <laughs> but then it was like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. Did you eliminate those foods from your diet once you connected the dots? Yes, I did. Were you still going to your regular doctor, but this is your, your MD still? She was actually a DO, and I did tell her, I said, there's something weird that's happening that when I eat foods, I get physically drunk. And so that's when she actually did the test for MS, and it came back negative. So now going back to that with you, with your DO, so at, at one point you basically said, you know what, she's not helping me. I have to move on and find another doctor. So can you walk us yeah. through that, that process and that transition of what doctor you landed with next? Well, because of, like I said, she had, this was like the final test after the test for lupus and after the test for diabetes that came back negative. And she's like, well, let's try the MS that came back negative. She's like, well, let's put you on Prozac. And I'm like, no, I said, that's, that's wrong. And why would you even assume to do that? And it's like, well, I just don't want you stressing out what's going on. I said, I'm not stressing out. I want to know what's happening. So in that respect, I called a few friends and they recommended me to a naturopath that was down in Santa Ana. And granted to say, I had to do a two hour drive just to get to her. But when I walked in, that's when they did the biomeridian test and they started questioning, like, have you been bit by a tick? And I'm like, well, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? And then when I told her the symptoms of my drunkenness and the forgetting and all of that neurological mess that was happening in regards to all that, she said, I think you possibly have Lyme. And even with that, I'm like, okay, well, what is that? I have no idea. So can you describe for our listeners what the biomeridian test was like? The biomeridian test, which even my mom and my daughter is like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I would think it is weird too if they didn't pick up some of the other things that I already knew were going on. But what a biomeridian test is, it's a little copper cylinder that you hold in your hand and they put these little electrodes on your nerve pathways within your hands and your feet. And they basically read the neuropathways that jump when something is an issue. So before they got to the question of Lyme, they had already picked up that I had a vitamin D deficiency, that my hormones were all out of whack, and that I had a thyroid issue. So like I said, I already knew those things of me, and if I didn't see that in the test, I would say, this is kind of weird. But then because I saw that, and when they stopped and paused and asked the question about Lyme, it spiked like it jumped off the page and came back into flow. And I'm like, okay, that's a trip. And they recognized that, yes, I definitely had the parasite. So although this test may seem wacky to some, it accurately diagnosed all of your known illnesses almost immediately. And then it came to the, the accurate conclusion that you have really bad Lyme disease after almost 10 years yes. that no other doctor could help you identify. Yes, yes. I, I tell you, I loved that lady because I, it was like I finally had some kind of hope that I could, like, walk through, you know. But I also remember that when um, she suggested that I go back to my doctor and get the blood test to accurately diagnose that 
in that blood test, that didn't come back by the CDC standards that I had Lyme either. But I had to also research on that, that because of the certain bands that were in that, that line of their conclusion, I definitely had bands that are only identified with Lyme and nothing else. And we know that that testing is not accurate. I mean, the, the Western blot and the ELISA tests are, are, are known for being inaccurate in many cases. And just based yeah. on your symptoms alone, a doctor could have diagnosed you clinically based on your symptoms being classic Lyme disease symptoms. Yes. And prior to this naturopath, not one doctor thought about Lyme disease or a tick disease. No, and that was a discussion I had with my husband. I said, this is, this is just bizarre to me is how no one else ever even thought to ask about this. I had to go to a naturopath doctor for them to even suggest anything like that. So did you believe right away the naturopath when she told you that you had Lyme disease or were you still a little weary based on the type of testing? You know, I, I think I was a little bit weary, but at the same time, I was so desperate at that point to have a label with some kind of direction that I could run after to get some kind of help. And I know in the process of working with her, because not only the Lyme, but it, it's part of the co-infection that I had all these other parasites. And when she started working on that and I started feeling like something was changing, then I was able to grasp the idea that, okay, I have this Lyme. And then when I started reading about the Lyme, that was like, wow. <laughs> I had to breathe deep, and I think I kind of went into a depression for probably about a month, and then it's like, okay, I have a diagnosis, I have a plan, and I'm going to go after it. So at this point, you know, Rich mentioned earlier about your, your faith and your belief in God, and and how that was sort of shaken throughout this journey. Where was your faith at during this time when you went to the naturopath? By that time, I was back into the fullness of who my God is to me. And I remember when I had the diagnosis, I came home and I fell on my face and I said, okay, Lord, you know, I trust that you have a plan because, you know, one of my favorite books is Job. And he talks about, you know, well, you go ahead and test her and you're going to find that she's going to rise above this. And it is only because of my faith that I believe I have the strength that I do a lot of times because it's hard. It is. I'm not going to say it's easy to anybody, but it's something that I continue to pursue and continue to walk out knowing that, you know, I just have to change things up and it's going to be okay. So you mentioned that once your naturopath started working on you and you saw some symptom relief, you realized that this was the real deal and you had Lyme disease. What type of treatment protocols was your naturopath using on you? It was a lot of supplement type things, which I worked with the Zymogen through her office. And one of the big things that she started me on right away was drops, homeopathic drops that are the Ver and the Parasite Complex. So I, I did definitely, as I started taking those, I had herxing effects, which she explained to me too, that I had no idea what that was in the beginning. And so I crashed hard a couple of times with the herxing, but I also noticed that I started progressing in feeling somewhat better than what I did. And these homeopathic drops were used to sort of attack and kill the parasites what was in these drops? Do you know what your homeopathic doctor put into these drops? There's a lot of natural 
like I said, elements in these. And I'm looking at the back now, and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> but the active ingredients on the ver is seriously like probably about 20 lines of stuff that's in there. Like a Tecrium Maru 3X and all these names that I probably would butcher if I tried to tell you. In addition to the homeopathic drops to attack and kill the bacteria, was your naturopathic doctor also working on restoring and rebuilding your immune system in parallel to this? Yes. Like I said, the, you know, my immune system was totally shot. And I actually discussed with her because I had started doing research on the whole thing about doing the antibiotic IV drip. And she, she told me straight up, she's like, I do not want you to do that because your immune system is so far compromised that that would really crash you hard. And so I just trusted her, and it was a long process in getting well, but in that process, they, they started working with my DNA system, which that's something that I, you know, refer to many even that I talk to that have Lyme. I said, you, I can tell you what I do, but you need to find your own path because we each have a different system in how we react and respond to different aspects of our healing. In addition to healing your immune system, you mentioned that you had a lot of Herx reactions. Did you take any sort of detox protocols? No, and kind of like we had talked before you started the broadcast, I was one that also had ill effects in trying to detox. And I think, again, because my system was so far compromised that to, to detox was just pulling out nutrients that I actually needed to heal. At any point, did you ever use antibiotics for your treatment protocol? So I have pretty much through my whole journey has been all natural elements of healing. So how quickly did you start to feel better when you started this, this homeopathic treatment with your naturopath? It was a very long process, but I encourage people in that because even though I wasn't quite feeling better, the things were changing. And it seemed at first they were changing for the worse, but I trusted that she, you know, because of everything she showed me and everything we discussed, that she knew the path she was taking to get me to my healing. So I'd say within a good year, it felt like it was worse, but then I started recognizing that things were shifting for the better. And it's important to note this is after almost 10 years of being very sick and having the Lyme bacteria really destroy your body. So not only having all these bacteria roam wild in your, in your body, but also having to repair the damage that was done by the bacteria. Most definitely. Where would you say you were at your worst? Were you bed bound? Were you homebound? At my worst, I, I seriously, and even my natural past, she says, you were like death crawling in the door. And I know my life at that point was pretty much, you know, I'd have a good surge of energy when I got up in the morning, which would last maybe about two hours if I was lucky. And the rest of the day would be in my recliner, zoning out on the TV because I didn't have energy for anything else. It got to the point that I had to hire people to come in and help clean my house. And that was so, like, humbling to me because I've always, like I said in the beginning, been very outgoing. I'm a go-getter. I work in the industrial industry where I'm, I'm heavy lifting and I'm doing all this stuff. And now I'm in a recliner and can hardly move. 
Do you think that the Western approach to medicine and the dismissal of it being a mental health issue and your hypochondriac and, and all these other dismissals, that that really prolonged your diagnosis and caused you to be so sick and have to go against this uphill battle that you're now fighting? Oh, most definitely. And that, you know, like I said, with the, the first doctor that wrote out that I was a hypochondriac, part of my discussion with him, like I said, you know, I live with myself 24-7. I know my body and I know what to expect from how I operate. And I told him from coming in here, I told you that I'm not big on any kind of medicine, but let's, let's get to the root of the problem that's going on in me by diet and exercise and supplements if it comes to that. Because basically a lot of the Western medicine I've always felt is just covering up the, the real deal that's going on. And you've been on treatment now for about three years, Jeanette, since your diagnosis and your treatment protocol began, and you're still on treatment today, correct? Yes, and my protocol has changed from my naturopath just because it's so far of a drive for me to go. And at the point when I started with her, it was really difficult for me to even get in the car to drive let alone drive two hours. So I would see her, you know, once a month if I was good to do that. But because it is such a drive, I've recently changed my protocol that has been making amazing strides for me now. Another thing that you noted on your pre-interview questionnaire is that essential oils were really key in treating your symptoms and helping you get through the hard times. Can you talk about what essential oils you used and how they helped you? Well, a big thing that I noticed, like I said earlier, is chemical effects. When I would smell something, I would have a reaction. So I had actually purchased me some masks online, and I started putting drops of peppermint and eucalyptus oil in my mask before I would go in any place that I knew I would encounter chemicals. And that was one help. And then for the joint pain and inflammation, I started using the lemongrass oil and cypress. And there's one other that I can't remember at the moment. And I seriously was amazed by that because my joints would just be so inflamed and so painful that it was hard to even, like I said, move out of my recliner. And with that, within 20 minutes, I had, you know, access to be able to twist and turn and do what I needed to do. And you receive those essential oils, all of them through inhalation, right? So even the ones that you use for your, your joint pain, you inhaled those essential oils? The oils that I do right now are through doTERRA. I'm, I'm in the process that I'm going to change because I found some others. But with the doTERRA, they, they actually show you the ones that you can ingest. They have a little thing on the back that tells you the ingredients of the natural things that you can actually put under your tongue. So there's some that have that information that you can put under your tongue and then others that say for inhalation only. So I have to ask, you've come a long way, you sound great, and you said you were having trouble even getting home after a trip out and had to call your husband to come get you, but you have been great so far on this podcast episode. So how do you feel today? Seriously, only within the last few months, like I said, I've started a different protocol and it was actually watching some YouTube videos of Lyme people that have been on this journey for a while that I started with the Plexus products and I have been making amazing strides in that. And I am so thankful because I, I seriously have stamina that I have not had in months. You noted in your questionnaire for this podcast that you're now 80% back to who you were before. And I think that's just amazing. 
Yes, I I also think it's amazing because it seemed for a while that my life was just going to be non-existent of what it was in, you know, getting up and finding my best time in the morning and then being down the rest of the day. And I had pretty much decided in myself that that's how it was going to be. So I am like so beyond grateful that I am having the kind of energy that I am having. You mentioned one thing that really piqued our interest. We've been seeing a lot of this on social media that people are using Plexus products to help heal their Lyme disease. And at first it seemed so bizarre to me. I didn't really understand what Plexus was. And I understand they have different formulas for different things. So can you talk about what Plexus products you're using and how they've helped you in your recovery? It seemed bizarre to me also. I thought, okay, I'm going to take this little pink drink and the BioCleanse and the probiotic and it's going to help me. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so I've been on it for a good two months now. And the first thing that I, I noticed and forgive me if I get emotional because I was so grateful is I got with the lady that started me and I said, my paranoia and my suspicion is gone. It's like, I don't have those thoughts anymore. And it's just beyond like real to me right now. And like I said, within the last couple of weeks, I started noticing that my stamina is like amazing. Matter of fact, for the last Four days, we've been doing a full-on estate sale at my home. We're selling everything, and we're getting ready to go on the road, and I have been keeping beat right along with them. Even my husband, he's like, babe, he's like, I'm amazed how much strength you have. I said, right? (laughs) I'm loving it. So you really credit this Plexus product with helping you eliminate your paranoia that you've had and really give you the strength and stamina to, to a new level that you haven't had since your illness. Well, simply for the fact that's what I've been on and it changed, I, I believe that what they're saying is true. And like I said, I have been following a few different people on YouTube that have shared their journey. And the one, Shoshana, that has been very evident for me watching her on a regular basis has been about her journey for a good two years that I've been paying attention and she's doing amazing. So it's like, okay, if it works for her, because she was far worse than I was, I think. And if it works for her, then I'm going to give this a try. Jeanette, one of the things I've noticed out on social media from other people using Plexus and the warnings that I've seen are you can have a very strong Herx reaction when you start the Plexus product, and they recommend starting at a much smaller dose. Is that something that you were aware of, or did you experience any Herx reactions when you started the product? I would agree again that anybody needs to take things slow until they recognize what works for their body. But because I had already been working with my naturopath and had already gone through a lot of that, I feel my body was up to par more than it was to be able to go in full dose with this. And I'm one too that I just tend to like, let's suck it up and do this thing because I'm tired of feeling like crud. (laughs) So I do kind of just jump into things that, you know, maybe I should take slower, but I did not notice a lot of herxing effect. I'm having a little now, but it's it's manageable to me. Jeanette, one of the things we've really enjoyed about doing this podcast is that we've seen some really beautiful transformations take place in folks who have gone through these chronic disease journeys. Can you share with us what positive things have happened in your life as a consequence of your chronic Lyme disease journey? 
Well, a big part of that and just, you know, what I've even been noticing within just these last few days of doing our estate sale is, you know, I'm interacting with people again and not feeling like I'm like intimidating to them or suspicious to them or, you know, paranoid. And even just like two days ago, I was crying in my prayer, like, Lord, I'm so thankful that I feel like I can communicate with people again and not feel so awkward in that. And that to me is huge because like I said, from the beginning, that's where I was before I started being sick. And when it started deteriorating, I, that was hard because we are very social people, you know, on a regular basis for anyone to need that interaction. And when I didn't have it, it just was hurtful. So to be able to connect with people again, and, you know, they're even telling me, it's like, I so love just sitting down and having coffee with you and being able to talk. And I'm like, you don't even know. Another one of the beautiful patterns that we see developing is that folks, when they go through this journey, want to reach out and help others who are also on this journey. And we see a lot of people using social media, including you, as a tool for outreach. Can you share with us? Yeah your desire to help others and why you turn to Instagram. I am so passionate about helping people understand because when I, like I said, when I went to my DO, that was the last actual doctor I had. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I, I just was devastated. It's like, how can a doctor that has taken the hypocritical oath not be able to give me some advice in this direction? So I became very outright obsessive, I would say, about the whole thing in my own research and finding things that I can put out to others that are struggling along the way because I do have some friends that are also on this journey that have recently found out. And like I said, again, I tell them I have a path that works for me, but I am more than willing to help you understand, but you also have your own symptoms, your own DNA that is going to be different from mine, but keep progressing, keep pushing forward, keep seeking out what is going to be your best path. Jeanette, the final transformation we're seeing in the folks that we're interviewing on our podcast is that they also go through a transformation with regard to their understanding of their environment and their understanding of ticks in particular. And we found those people to now have a new form of expertise and a new understanding of how to protect themselves from ticks. So now I want to ask you, Jeanette, if tomorrow you were called by one of your children and they told you that they were being bitten by a tick, what would you tell them to do? I would tell them to make sure that they properly remove the tick, first of all, and that they put it in a jar so that it can be tested by the doctors and to get yourself in immediately to be tested and put on the antibiotic treatment, even though, you know, Western medicine, but if you catch it ahead of time, I believe it is beneficial. And then I would tell them to start like really progressing to get the help they need also in natural remedies to look after themselves. Thank you, Jeanette Blackwood. You are a tick hacker. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Jeanette Blackwood. To our listeners, we have a call to action. If you'd like to learn more about Jeanette Blackwood and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at Blackwood Creation Inc. I-N-K. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, 
we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.